0: Good morning, everyone. It is good to be here with you once again for our time in the Word of God. This is the fourth Sunday of the month, so it is my turn to share the Scriptures with you. And and today, we are continuing our message series, Thinking Biblically, and we are actually addressing a controversial subject. To some even offensive. But if we are to think biblically, then we must understand and trust in all that the Bible says. And so this morning, we are thinking biblically about this, about the roles of husbands and wives in marriage. Now, someone may say, Why is this message important to those of us who are single, widows, widowers, or divorced? If I had known, I would have just stayed home. Well, I believe it is important for all of us as Christians to be knowledgeable of the whole counsel of God and to be able to answer biblically to any questions asked of us as Christians, as believers. And so, it is my hope that today, regardless of how this message applies to your marital status, that you will grow in the knowledge of the Scriptures, particularly about this topic. And so, with that in mind, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for once again being here in your presence to worship you, to magnify your name as we want to once again surrender before you, present ourselves before you knowing that you are our all in all, and we can do nothing without you. We pray, Father, that your name will be glorified during this time as we focus on your word. Let your spirit transform our lives and minister to us for the glory of your name. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is essential for us as Christians to think biblically, to think with God to think according to the revealed Word of God in the Scriptures, but especially to think biblically about God's expectations for marriage because the family was the very first institution established by God. That sacred union created by the Lord between a man and a woman has been desecrated and demoralized in the world today. Either by the gross immorality of same-sex unions or by the mockery from those who say that marriage is the only war where you sleep with the enemy. But we know that what is most important to us is to see what the Bible tells us, what the Lord reveals to us as to the roles of a Christian husband, of a Christian wife in marriage. We want to begin by going over what the Bible says about the role of a Christian wife being married to a believer, to a Christian husband. And right from the beginning, it is important for us to recognize this biblical mandate in Philippians in chapter 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Whether you are a woman or a man, the Bible is clear that we must be humble toward one another, with one another. No one has the right to be domineering over anyone. The Bible says that we must consider ourselves, that we must consider one another as more important than ourselves. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians in chapter five, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Your Bible, your translation may say, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This verse establishes the doctrine of mutual submission. Whether you are a wife or husband or neither, you are a man or woman who believes in the Lord Then the Lord is calling us, according to the principle of mutual submission, for us to be submissive to one another. A wife is to be submissive to her husband, and the husband is to be submissive to his wife, as we will see later in detail. How exactly we practice this principle of mutual submission. But first, in the very next verse, the Bible says... Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Notice that those words, be subject, are within brackets. In your Bible, they may be italicized. It simply means that those words are not in the original, but they are implied from what Paul, by the Holy Spirit, said in verse 21 Submit yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ, and wives to your own husbands. It is a submission that stems from the principle of mutual submission. As he will say, as we will see in the Bible, he begins with the fact that the wives must be submissive to their husbands. But as we'll see later, husbands also must be submissive to their wives. He begins first by saying, wives, to your own husbands, be subject, be submissive to your own husbands. And then he says, as to the Lord... God calls a Christian wife to be submissive to her husband as she is submissive to the Lord. Now, this is a hard saying, and some have said that this is even cringeworthy. However, if a woman is to think biblically about what the Lord is saying here, this must be understood in light of what God says in Genesis in chapter 3. Where well, the Bible says, to the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband. And he, your husband, will rule over you. When God spoke in the Garden of Eden, after the fall, he spoke to Satan, the serpent. He spoke to the man, Adam. And he spoke to the woman, Eve. And when, during that time, God spoke to the woman saying that from then on, the woman in childbirth, her pain would be greatly increased. And not only that, God said, your desire will be for your husband and your husband will rule over you. What does that mean? Literally it says that a woman will desire to rule over her husband but her husband, having received authority from God, will rule over her. The curse from the Garden of Eden creates the scenario where a woman's natural tendency is never to be submissive to a man, but it is to make the man submissive to her. Her desire is to rule over him. And that power struggle in the home because God Appointed the man that position of spiritual leadership, and through the curse in the Eden, the Bible says that the woman will try to usurp that authority from man in the house. That power struggle, that tension in the home creates all sorts of conflicts inside the house. Because the woman, in terms of submission, that is not her natural inclination. Now, it is important for us to understand this, only a Christian woman would indeed be submissive to her husband in this manner as to the Lord, especially in the world today, where this would be considered offensive and even antiquated and inappropriate, because she considers her submission to her husband an act of obedience to God. Only having that mindset, literally only thinking biblically, can a woman be submissive to her husband. Otherwise, a woman will not follow this mandate, according to what we see here in Genesis in chapter 3. Now, the Bible continues to say, "'Wives, be subject to your own husbands as the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church.'" He himself being the savior of the body. When the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife, it doesn't mean that a wife cannot think for herself. But it means that by accepting God's mandate for her, she is trusting that the Lord will give her husband wisdom for the family. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church, to protect and save the church, so the wife has the right to expect that her husband, her Christian husband, will be wise in what he does, in giving his best to her. It is important for us to understand this. But the Bible continues to say in verse 24, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. God calls the Christian wife to be submissive to her husband in everything. And this is certainly difficult, especially when their opinions disagree. A Christian wife may say, How can I be submissive to him when he makes so many wrong decisions? How can I be submissive to him when he has failed so many times in what he has decided for our family? Well, it is important that you remember two things. First, it is obvious that this is God's explicit will for Christian wives. The Bible says in Colossians 3, wives be subject to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. And in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. It is undeniable. What is the role that the Lord has assigned for a Christian wife? However, overall, the question is, what does it mean for a spouse to be submissive in marriage? Notice verse 33 in Ephesians, in Ephesians 5. It says, the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. It means respect. Respect. I don't mean to sound like Aretha Franklin here, but it is R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Submission in respecting her husband as the spiritual leader in the home. But always remember that based on the principle of mutual submission, you as the wife, you must submit to your husband. But your husband must also be submissive to you unconditionally. And we will see that. It is important for us to recognize that God has called us both, husband and wife, to a position of mutual submission. And secondly, it is also important to remember this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Remember, when God says that the man is the head of a woman, it doesn't mean that a woman loses her voice in marriage. Again, that she cannot think for herself. A woman is not inferior to man in any way. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible tells us, in Galatians in chapter 3, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male or female, there is neither man nor woman, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of us are one in Christ Jesus. There is no first or second. We are all equals. We have all been sinners who are now saved by the grace of God. The distinction is simply about the roles that God has assigned to the Christian husband and to the Christian wife. In marriage. And a wise and godly husband will also validate and honor his wife's opinion, especially when he remembers the words of Christ in Luke in chapter 7, where the Lord Jesus says, Wisdom is vindicated by all her children, wisdom is confirmed by the results. If your husband is godly and wise in what he, in the way he acts for the family, then his wisdom will be demonstrated by the results. But if your husband's acts are not godly and unwise, that will be shown as well and that will be proven. And that for him as a Christian husband should make him even more humble before God and even before you, paying much more careful attention to what you say the next time. And you won't even have to say, I told you so. He will certainly be more humble to listen to what you say. Now it is important also, now that we have seen what God expects from a Christian woman who is married to a Christian husband, for us to see what our the Lord's expectations for a Christian wife married to a non-believer. Now, it is important to point out here that the Bible is clear. God certainly is against a Christian marrying someone who is not a believer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, period. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Whether you are a woman or a man, the Bible is clear that there is absolutely no blessing in pursuing a marital relationship with someone who is not a believer. We are specifically mentioning this based on what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6. Surely the Lord can forgive you for disobeying him, but you will reap the consequences. When we say, that we will see the role of a Christian wife married to an unbeliever, we are especially focusing on those women who were unbelievers when they got married. Afterwards, they became a Christian, but their husbands are still an unbeliever. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, In the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands. In the same way. In what way? in the way that Peter has spoken in the preceding verses. He said in chapter two, submit yourselves to the Lord's, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Servants, slaves, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. He's saying in the same way that we all must be submissive to the government. Of course, for as long as the government laws are not against the laws of God. And he says, in the same way, slaves, be submissive to your masters, even to those who are unreasonable. In modern-day vernacular, this would be referring to Christian employees so that they are respectful toward their bosses, even those bosses who are not that fair. But above all, in the same way as this example... For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Above all, in the same way that Christ was submissive to the will of the Father, in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, They may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. The Bible maintains that a Christian wife must be submissive even to her unbelieving husband because he may be saved by her behavior. Now, please understand that when Peter says, that the unbelieving husband may be saved by his wife's behavior, Peter is not advocating that an unbeliever can be saved without hearing the message of the gospel. It is believed that St. Francis of Assisi once said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Whether he said it or not, it doesn't matter. That is an unbiblical statement. The Bible is clear in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. No one can be saved without hearing the message of the gospel. An unbeliever must hear it, he must understand it, and he must repent of his sins if the Holy Spirit works conviction in his heart. What the Bible is telling us, what the Bible is telling us here, that if any of them are disobedient to the word, it implies, obviously, that Peter is talking about someone who has already heard the word and is disobedient to it. Someone who has heard the word, especially through his Christian wife, but after hearing it, he disdained it. He did not accept the message of the gospel. But the Bible is saying it it may be, It may be that he can still be warned for salvation without a word by the behavior of their wives. Meaning after having heard the words of the gospel and he disregarded it. Now he will pay attention to the behavior of his wife and he will wonder what has caused the change in her behavior. And if, and only if, the Holy Spirit reminds him of the message of the gospel, of the word that he has already heard... He may wonder what has changed his wife. And he may remember the words of the gospel as the cause for her transformation. No one can be saved without hearing the gospel. But those Christian wives in the circumstance of being married to an unbeliever, the Bible gives you a promise. The Bible says that it may be that by observing your behavior after they haven't heard the word of God, that they may be attracted to the message of the gospel. And what is the behavior that may attract them to the gospel? He says in verse 3, Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Now, Please understand that Peter is not saying that a Christian wife should neglect her outward appearance, that she should not adorn herself. What he is saying is that what is most important to a Christian wife is what is the most precious adornment that she will wear is not gold, but it is the hidden person of the heart. It is who she is inside. It is he, it is what she has become inside. Through the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible says, what is that hidden person of the heart? What is the precious treasure that she carries within that may even attract a husband who has already heard the gospel, but just by seeing her testimony, he may be attracted to the gospel once and for all. He says, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Gentle means that she is not easily tempted to anger. That she is not easily tempted to be belligerent inside the home. But she is gentle in her approach in all things of life. And she is quiet. Not necessarily that she is an introvert. But it means she remains calm in the face of adversity. She has a calmness within that comes from the peace that the Holy Spirit provides beyond understanding when facing difficulties. The spirit of gentleness, not anger, and calmness, not worry, in a Christian woman is precious in the sight of God and may lead her husband to finally receiving the message of the gospel for his salvation." And the Bible says in verse 5 and 6, For in this way, with this behavior, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, as you have become her children, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. A Christian woman don't have to fear Her submission to her unbelieving husband, because she's doing so in obedience to Christ. But it is also important for us to remember this. She's submissive to her husband without being frightened by any fear. It is not okay for a woman to be submissive to physical abuse. It is not okay for a woman to live inside a house being frightened with fear. For this reason, God has established the authorities for that purpose. As the Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 13, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Many church leaders have embroiled themselves in a whole lot of trouble for advising abused women to remain with their husbands, which has caused them many harm and sometimes even death. God has established the authorities for this purpose, to intervene on your behalf. No man, whether he's a Christian or not, no man is ever justified to lay a finger on you. Don't you forget that. You are precious in the sight of God and never deserving of anyone laying a hand on you. Now, someone may say, Preacher, my husband is not violent. I am married to him. He's an unbeliever, but he is the nicest man in the world. But I have been waiting all these years, counting on what the counsel of Peter by the Holy Spirit in 1 Peter chapter 3. I try to be the best wife that I can possibly be, but he's still an unbeliever. He's still drawn to worldly things. Can I just divorce him? Well, now that's a bit different. In that case, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, and a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. Divorce is not an option for you under these circumstances. What the Bible is saying is that you must continue faithfully in your relationship, waiting prayerfully for God's intervention, now, how about the other way around? If your unbelieving husband says, that's it. I don't like this Christianity stuff here inside the house anymore. I, I, I want to divorce you. This is not working out for me. You keep going to church. You keep reading that Bible. You have been changed. I don't like this. I want to divorce you. What is a Christian wife to say? Yet, if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, oh wife, whether you will save your husband? He's telling you that he wants to divorce? See ya. Don't let the door hit you. (laughs) The Bible is clear that there is a divorce sanctioned by God. If the unbelieving husband wants to leave you, God has called you to peace. Because as the Spirit of God says through Paul, O oh wife, how can you know whether you would ever save your husband? Now that we have seen the roles of Christian wives when married to a Christian husband or to an unbeliever, gentlemen, it is time now for us to turn the tables and see how can we be submissive to our wives. We want to see first the role of a Christian husband married To a Christian wife. As we saw in Ephesians. In chapter 5. In verse 21. The overall principle. Established by that verse. Uh -uh. Can you hear me? Okay. The overall principle. Is that of mutual submission. That a wife must be submissive. To her husband. And her husband. Must be submissive to her. The question is. How are you, how am I, as a Christian husband, should be submissive to our wives? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands love your wives. You are submissive in the way you love your wife. Now, someone may say, wait a minute. Husbands seem to have a much easier role in this thing of submission than we do as wives. We must submit to them by respecting them. And husbands have to be submissive to us just for loving us? Is it fair then to say that a husband can just say, Wife, I have to love you. Here's a very expensive Hallmark card. I am all set now. Now grab me a drink and let me watch the game. Uh, It doesn't quite work that way, brothers. Brothers. Not so fast. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Quite frankly, there is no greater submission than that. Christ gave himself up for his bride. God calls us, Christian husbands, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. That's sacrificial love. That's not just with a hallmark card. That is given of your life completely to your wife. As he gave himself up for her. How does this apply to me as a Christian husband and to you as a Christian husband as well? The Bible says, so that he might sanctify her. That's how Christ loved the church. So that he might sanctify her. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. First, for us husbands, Christian husbands, we are submissive in our love for our wives by our spiritual leadership. Your desire is for you both to grow spiritually. How do you do that? You pray together. You study the Bible together. You volunteer to ministries right in the church. You want everything that leads you both to spiritual maturity. Unfortunately, the sad reality is that in many Christian homes, The wife is more devoted spiritually than the husband. That must not be so, brothers. God has assigned to us the role of spiritual leadership in our homes. Yes, you want your wife to be holy, but you must be holy yourself. God has called you to that. Let us not be ashamed in how we are walking within our homes, in our treatment of our wives... But let us be respectful of what we have received from the Lord himself as leaders in the home to do what we can so that our wives, our home grows spiritually. Not only that, secondly, it says, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. Secondly, a husband is submissive to his wife in love. By caring for her as much as he cares for himself. And what does that look like? He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever has hated his own flesh. But nourishes it and, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. You care for your wife. You are submissive to to your wife in love by caring for her as you care for yourself by doing these two things. Nourishing means to feed, meaning spiritually speaking, you want to do all things that will provide spiritual sustenance for you and her and for your entire family. Obviously, there is nothing wrong with you Going on vacation with your wife for you to dine out and for you to, to go for a walk together and to live your life, but you will never neglect the most important priority, which is spiritual, is to how you, as a spiritual leader in the home, can make your spiritual walk to be enhanced for the glory of God's name. It is important. To understand that you are not only called to nourish the relationship, but also to cherish it. To cherish simply means to care for something as precious. Gentlemen, your wife is the most precious person in this world to you. That means when you cherish her in that way. means that you treat her with affection, not with anger or bitterness. We are called to this in our role of submission to our wives, to show them this kind of love, sacrificial love. It is the decision love, the action love, not, oh, I feel like loving her today, but today, no, I'm, I'm thinking about other things. It doesn't work that way. Imagine if Christ had said, well, I, Father, I don't want to die on that cross, and I'm going to walk away. No, but you as a husband, you have been called, I have been called to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and so we must abide by it. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The Bible is clear that we should never be harsh with our wives, meaning that we should stop constantly treating our wives with anger if that is you. I hope and pray that the Spirit of God will convict you today because that must not be so. Do not be harsh with your wife. Now, this means that the husband treats the wife constantly with anger. It is true that your wife can be angry too. In fact, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 21 verses 9 and 19 that it is better to live in the desert than inside a house with an angry woman. Trust me, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. It's not good English, but it is true. Your wife can make you angry as much as you can make her angry too, and you know it. But the key to avoid the conflict is to rely on God's wisdom in what he says in Ephesians in chapter four. As the Bible tells us, be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let us be real. There will be times when both of you will be angry, when both, of you, when both of you will disagree about something. But the Bible says, and it is always better to follow what God says, you must resolve the issue and be at peace with each other before the day is over. For if you remain angry with each other, That will foster bitterness and anger. And that will give the devil an opportunity, an opportunity to have a foothold inside your family to steal the peace from your home. That must not be so either. But we must follow what the Lord says. It is important for us to understand this, that we must not remain with unresolved anger. Even if if you do need to contact the church, and speak to church, to the church leadership, to one of the elders, to someone who can give you marital counseling, Christian counseling. But it is extremely important that you do not continue to live in a home with bitterness and anger. Why? I'll show you why. Recently, researchers have confirmed that 45% of all marriages in America today and in divorce. And what are the reasons? If we were to think, if we were to say, what are the reasons for divorce in America today? For many, many years, what was the number one reason for divorce in this country? Was money. One or both spouses would not agree on how the money should be spent or one spouse was really, really angry and mad on how the other spouse has already spent the money. But today, this is from April of this year. What are the reasons? Well, at the bottom, money is still there, money management. Then after is lack of physical intimacy. One or both no longer finds the other spouse attractive. Obviously, they married out of lust and not out of love. Next is addiction to drugs, to alcohol, to gambling, or to pornography. Next is opposing values. This is an incredible reason that is only prominent in the days in which we are living. Only in a woke and cancel culture society can this be a reason for divorce today. This means that couples are getting divorced because they vehemently disagree about race, gender, politics, religion, and even abortion. Can you believe it? But also, couples are getting divorced because of domestic violence. Unfortunately, that is still one of the top reasons. Violence toward the spouse and or their children. Then, there's adultery, and that is self-explanatory. But do you know what is the number one reason for divorce in America today? Constant put down. They have nothing to say to each other but nasty, malicious, vile, and angry things. The love between them has gone a long time ago. And they are constantly just putting each other down. You can enter the home and you can cut the tension with a knife. They have nothing nice, nothing good to say about each other. No marriage can survive an argument that never ends. On August 21st, 1942, Disney released a movie called Bambi. And in the movie, there was a little rabbit named Thumper. And Thumper said, if you can say something nice, then don't say anything at all. Those words have been repeated by parents to their children since 1942. But we know that God has said those words way before Thumper. Especially to us husbands when he says, husbands, love your wives and do not, do not be harsh with them. It is important that you honor your wife in the same way that a Christian wife married to an unbeliever must also have a godly behavior inside the home. It is important that you also do that whether your wife is a Christian or not, as we're going to see shortly. But especially if your wife is a Christian, remember, you are her husband, but she is a daughter of the king first, and you do not want the king to be your enemy. In Ephesians in chapter 5, continuing the passage, the Bible says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife as himself. Lastly, what the Bible says, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, once again, that we as husbands, we must love our wives as Christ loved the church. It is important for us to remember that in the principle of mutual submission, that we are submissive to them in the love that we give to them each and every day. Being submissive to her, it doesn't mean that you relinquish your role, your God-given role of spiritual leader in the home, but it means that you are submissive in the love that you give to her, whether you feel it or not, because you have been called by God to do so. And lastly, what is the role of a Christian husband married to an unbelieving woman? The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter seven, but to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. First, let me clarify that what Paul says here, that he is the one saying it, not the Lord. It doesn't mean that this text is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. What Paul is referring here is that there are no written guidance from the Lord Jesus Himself about this situation of a Christian husband being married to an unbeliever. But obviously, we know through the doctrine of the inspiration of the scriptures that Paul Himself spoke by the Holy Spirit, as He says in this chapter in verse 40. And therefore, ultimately, we know that this is a passage sanctioned by the Lord Himself through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says to you, as he had already said to Christian wives in the identical circumstance, you must not divorce her. And then he says in verse 15, yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let her leave. The brother is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? In the same way that the Holy Spirit of God inspired Paul to give this direction, this prescription for us as Christian husbands who are married to an unbelieving woman, that if she wants to divorce you, then the Bible says you should not resist it. Let her leave because God has called you into peace. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says you husbands in the same way. Remember that Peter had said that to the Christian wife, married to an unbelieving man as well, in the same way that we must be submissive to the government, in the same way that we as employees must be submissive to our managers, in the same way, above all, that Christ was submissive to the will of the Father, in the same way that wives must be submissive to their husbands, in the same way husbands must be submissive to their wives. It is impossible for us to run away from the principle of mutual submission, Long gone are the days when men could say that their wives should be submissive to them because they are inferior to them. And they could just boss them around because I am the chief in this house. God said that you must submit to me. Well, they forgot the doctrine that says that they must be submissive to them too, to their wives. In the same way, you must be submissive to your wife, even to those who are unbelievers for the same reason. And he says... Live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Peter is saying whether your wife is a believer or not, but even if she's not a believer, he says that you must be submissive to her in three specific ways. First, he says, live with your wives in an understanding way. Literally says, according to knowledge, you must know and understand what are the prescriptions given by God, as we have seen in this whole message, what are the Bible-specific passages that direct what you must do as a Christian husband, and understand what is expected of you by the words of God. But especially if your wife is not a Christian, you must understand the spiritual differences in the home, the dynamics within a home, where there is communion, where there's there can be no communion between light and darkness. But not only you must use discernment about the spiritual differences in the home, but secondly says, but you must live with someone weaker since she is a woman. As we have seen in Galatians 3, this does not mean that a woman is inferior to men in any way. What Peter is simply referring to here is that a woman is usually not as strong physically as the man. That is all there is to it. Nothing to do about her spiritual... Uh, Uh, rank, nothing to do about her capabilities. It simply has to do with the fact that women are usually not as strong as men are. So he is saying, in the same way that you must live with understanding of the spiritual differences within the home, you must also live with the understanding of the physical differences. Now, this is also a tacit reminder that there is no place for violence inside the home. As the wife is usually the... Weaker vessel. There's never a justification for a man to be violent toward his wife. And thirdly, he says, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, many interpret these words from the Bible to say that if a husband is not treating his wife honorably, if he's disrespecting his wife, God will not listen to his prayers. Now, there is a certain degree of truth in that because the Bible tells us in Psalm sixty-six eighteen 18 and in John chapter 9, verse 31, that God will not hear our prayers if we cherish sin in our hearts. But here, as commentators say, Peter is specifically speaking about the prayer that a husband will be saying for his wife's salvation. If he is dishonoring her as a man... How can she honor him as a Christian husband and be attracted to the gospel? The grace of life here is not salvation, but it it refers to marriage. Your prayer for your wife in your marriage to be saved will not be effective, will be useless because you are not honoring her as a man. How can she take heed of the words of the gospel through your life? Just like the unbelieving woman, just like the unbelieving uh, husband, She will see the words of the gospel even better through your behavior inside the home. And so, here we are. We have seen the roles in marriage for the Christian wife, either married to a Christian husband or unbeliever, and also for Christian husbands. And it is my prayer before we pray, that for those of us who are Christian husbands and Christian wives... That you would still have the desire and be drawn to say to your spouse, I will love you and comfort you and honor you. I promise to be faithful to you, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. But if for the reasons that God knows in your heart, because of your circumstances, because of being unequally yoked, you cannot say these words, or you do not want to say these words, remember this, the Lord is with you. The Lord is your God. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. But he will cause all things to work together for good to mold you into Christ's likeness. Do not despair. The Lord sees your prayers. Let us pray. Dear Father, we are so grateful for the wisdom of your word, for what you have given to us. In, this, in the inspiration of the scriptures. And I pray, Father, for every household represented here. I pray for every home, either listening to this message online, or through a CD, or especially for those who are here present today. Father, may your name be glorified in our houses, Father. May we be obedient to what you have called us to, to the roles that, we, that you have called us to to be obedient in our families. Let your mercy, let your grace be upon us and let us be renewed in our motivation, in our love for each other as husbands and wives. And I pray also, Father, that if there is someone who heard this message and is a non-believer, that some way, somehow, that your Holy Spirit would have touched their hearts to understand that there is no hope without Christ. But that they would hear the message of the gospel that says that Christ Jesus, our Lord, came to this earth to forgive us of our sins and to give us repentance, to give us salvation eternal. May your blessings be with us, with our families, with each and every one of us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless your family.